0: Coming up on the As One Leadership Podcast.
1: When I was a young pastor, I thought I had suffering all sorted out and uh, packaged. (laughs) I realized that I didn't. And I think there are more mysteries and gray spaces than I thought there were. And even wrestling with things like, how do you make sense of passages like, if two or three of you on earth agree about this and ask it in my name, I'll do it.
0: Welcome to the As One Leadership Podcast. Today's guest is Pastor Bill Brown. Welcome to the show, Bill, and thanks for being our guest. Oh, it's a privilege to be here, Luke. Yeah, it's great to have you. I've uh, watched you from afar for many years. I think the first time I came across you was in interchurch football games. Did we win? Well, I think you always won, so (laughs) you were like the mega power. and I was from Mentone Baptist Church, so I remember getting a beating a number of times.
1: Okay. So
0: they were pretty serious, those games, though.
1: They were a lot of fun. Mm. Yeah, a few broken ribs here and there, but yeah. it was good fun.
0: A few ring ins at different times? Yeah. Probably at Sindal? I don't think any at so. <laughs> Well, after a controversial start. <laughs> uh, so, you've recently finished up as the senior pastor at Sindal Baptist, uh, where you're in that role for 33 years. And so, it must be a very different season for you.
1: Uh, it certainly is. Uh, I'm enjoying a new rhythm. But I am missing some things, so there was a bit of a grief journey on the way, but I think it was the right time and looking forward to the new adventures.
0: Yeah, excellent. So I think you were the youth pastor there for 10 years before you were the senior pastor. I was. And you were a maths teacher before.
1: I was a maths teacher for a few years, and during those few years was the voluntary youth director at Sindal. So okay. it was that, and then the youth pastor role, and then the senior pastor role.
0: Right. Well, being a maths teacher, I was never very good at maths, so I can probably learn some maths from you today. but. If my mass is any good, I realise the time you spent at Sindel is longer than I've been alive. So um, (laughs) that probably puts things in perspective and that's why you're here today. I think there's so much that we can learn from you and probably many experiences that, you know, both good and bad that you've had over the years that hopefully we can glean some wisdom from as we go through today. So for our listeners that don't know you very well, um, you're a mad sports fan. So let's get the important questions out of the way. Who is your AFL team? Uh, I was a Swan supporter
1: until they moved interstate and I can't barrack for an interstate team, so okay. I changed to Hawthorne. And uh, those hawks have done me really proud since then.
0: I absolutely have. I um, when I was young my, my dad I'm a Saints supporter, and so my dad was a mad Saints supporter and I used to go out to him in the garage when I when I was young, like a real little tacker, and he'd be working on the car and the footy would always be on the radio and I'd say to him, Dad, how are the Saints going? And He'd say, oh, they're going well, son. They came second today. And i think, oh, wow, second's pretty good when I mean, you're on the, on the dice and that's, that's pretty good. And then I obviously went to kinder and school and my friends uh, let me know the truth that they were pretty hopeless. And I remember going home to Dad one day and saying, Dad, Saints are hopeless, aren't they? And he said, yeah, yes, some they are. And I said, I don't want to go for the Saints. I want to go for the Hawks. And he said, oh, you can't do that, son. And I said, why not? And he said, only wimps change teams. <laughs> and so if I had it stuck to my guns, I'd have 10 premierships now. But um, maybe this year will be the year. <laughs> yeah, that's what we say every <laughs> year. But, but maybe this is the year. 2020 is when everything was meant to happen, right? So right. maybe this is the year for us. I, I really hope so. And um, what other sports do you like?
1: I love cricket, so I'm still playing cricket and uh, hopefully make a few more runs for the rest of the season than I've made at the start.
0: Uh, it's been a bit of a lean start.
1: Well, I've only played two games, but I haven't made enough yet. Okay. So looking forward to a better season.
0: So when you say you haven't made enough, can you um, divulge how many you've made?
1: Uh, 16 in two innings. Okay.
0: So you're averaging eight so far. That's it. Well, there's only one way to go really, isn't That's there? That's right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so you're a batsman? <laughs> I normally bat in the top five or six.
0: Okay. It's yeah. oh, terrific. I always bat in the top 12, so uh, <laughs> we have that in common. Very good. So... Now that you've finished up at Sindal Baptist, um, you're still involved there one day a week and you're also employed three days a week at the Baptist Union of Victoria.
1: That's right.
0: Um, Would you like to tell us a little bit about those roles?
1: Sure. So at Sindal, they've called me the Pastor Emeritus. Now, I'm not sure what that means, but I think it's kind of them. And uh, so a day a week, I'm helping with some pastoral work, got some preaching and uh, anything else that might be helpful around the place, investing in leaders, things like that. At the Baptist Union, two days a week I'm working with emerging leaders trying to help develop pathways that might be uh, supportive of local churches in what they're seeking to do in developing leaders. And the other day a week is spent with the pastors of the larger Baptist churches seeking to encourage and uh, support them in their in their roles.
0: Mm. Sounds like very important roles and I think with someone of your experience it's a real blessing to have you in those places, I think. so you good to watch this space and see what comes from it.
1: Yeah, looking forward to it.
0: Mm. So last and not least, you want to tell us a little bit about your family?
1: Sure. I was married to Jenny for just under 34 years and uh, she passed away in 2009. We have four children and they range in age from 42 down to about 33. Have eight grandchildren and uh, love spending time with the kids and the grandkids. And uh, about three years ago, I met a gorgeous English woman at a bus stop in Canada and we got married uh, two and a half years ago. Didn't think it was uh, likely to be on the cards but God had different things in mind. So Julia came into my life then
0: wow yeah so a Canadian lady in a bus no well, an, an English, English lady. lady at a
1: Canadian bus stop
0: wow so for all of our single <laughs> listeners out there do you want to give some tips on where, how where the bus wife? stop is <laughs> yeah that would be helpful <laughs> did you have like a corny Christian pickup line or
1: something or? no we just greeted each other yeah, yeah. Uh, we're on a Rockies tour yeah. and I was the only one without family member or friend yeah. so Julia and her friend thought they should invite me to dinner yeah. uh, on one of the nights and the rest is history
0: yeah well, that was a good move on her behalf <laughs> so where was she living was she living in england or
1: yeah living in england
0: yeah okay so she made the move
1: she made the move to australia yeah but all our kids and grandkids went over for the wedding so that was good great
0: yeah and how's she finding adjusting to australia she life? loves it Yeah. Okay.
1: never wanted to come here beforehand but loves it yeah oh great <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good
0: Excellent. Well, today we're here to talk a little bit about leadership and to to learn some um, of the lessons that you've learned over the years. So I want to start today talking a little bit about resilience and longevity. I think that's a a really significant issue um, with someone who's been in ministry for so long. So you spent many years as a senior pastor in one congregation. As part of uh, finishing up there, I'm sure there's been some reflections, uh, particularly in the celebration times as a faith community, and sometimes to think through some of the memories Um, Can you elaborate on some of the highlights of your time as the pastor at Sindel?
1: Sure. Uh, Certainly there were lots of uh, encouraging things. I think one of the best was to see people come to know Jesus and to continue to grow in their faith. Another was the the willingness of people to uh, serve according to their shape. So if uh, God's gifted us all, he wants us to use those gifts and to see that happening. One of the things that always encouraged me was to see that the mission of the church was not just done in the four walls of the church, but actually wherever people lived and worked and served, uh, Monday to Friday, Monday to Saturday. So it wasn't only a Sunday event that uh, they were, we were concerned about, but the whole of life and where people were doing that and I think that remains one of the biggest challenges for churches to help everyone sense that they're on mission wherever they are and whatever they're doing. Uh, so that was a highlight. I think another highlight for me has been the, the reflection of our, the demographics of our community being reflected in the demographics of our church. Mm-hmm. Although people travelled from 80 suburbs to be involved at Sindal, most travelled from within 10 to 15 minutes' drive and over the 30 years the demographics of our area changed dramatically and so we wanted the demographics of the church to reflect that so that we were engaging with local community and we have a number of community connection ministries that have helped identify needs within the community and then respond to those needs so that's been a real encouragement to see people who don't have a faith uh, getting Uh, cared for, encouraged, loved into taking Jesus seriously. So that's always an encouragement.
0: Yeah, that's so good. So you were talking a minute ago about um, kind of equipping people for life outside of the four walls of the church. What are some of the things that you did as a church to to equip people for that?
1: Well, certainly uh, I think you want to model what you want caught. So uh, one of the the hopes for all of our staff and our leaders was to model the fact that it's important to stay connected with people who don't yet know Jesus. So sharing stories about that, uh, models of how that might work. We also help people work through uh, gift discovery things or areas that they are passionate about. Um, You've probably heard of shape and uh, spiritual gifts, heart for mission, abilities, personal style, and experience, and God can use all of those sorts of things to help us connect with others. Uh, we, we also, through our connection community connection ministries, wanted to help people see that it wasn't just those within the church that they needed to relate to, but those outside. And uh, we, we used courses like Walk Across the Room, Just Walk Across the Room, uh, or the Bless series where you begin with prayer, You listen to God, listen to people, you eat with people. When you eat with them and you listen to God and people, you work out how to serve them best. And then as you serve them, you earn the right to to share the story of Jesus and how his story has changed your life. So those sorts of things were a continual process. But, uh, yeah, there's still lots of room for people to keep growing in that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's really powerful. I think that is one of the challenges is... You know, people spend an hour, a couple of hours a week in church and it's easy to get in that little Christian bubble where you just spend time with Christian people and it becomes a bit of an echo chamber and trying to encourage and equip people to step outside of that is I think one of the big challenges of church and something that we've got to continue to get better at. So We
1: in our most recent building development, we decided not to call at a church, but the life centre of the Sindal Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. Where people come to experience life, to seek life, to be equipped for life, but the church gathers there, but then the church scatters, and we want people once they leave the building to sense that they're on mission.
0: Mm. Yeah, I like that. It's language is important, isn't it? Yeah, we talk about a building project that follow, and um, we talk about it being like an epicenter. Yeah, where sort of things happen, and then it reverberates throughout yeah. the community, but also throughout eternity, as sure. people come to know Jesus and and all that. So yeah. finding language around that, I think people connect with that. So it's, it's great. Right. Mm. So you've done leadership for a long time. Can you tell us what you love about leadership?
1: I reckon leadership is a great opportunity to serve God and to serve others. Uh, leadership is a great opportunity to uh, invest in the lives of others that will make a difference, uh, both now but for, for eternity. And leadership is also a great opportunity to keep learning and growing. And I want to be a lifelong learner so I never have it all together, so it's a great opportunity to keep uh, learning and growing.
0: Mm. It's inspiring, isn't it? I've got my grandfather still alive, he's in his 90s, but every time I go to see him, he just wants to talk about scripture and he wants to talk about what God's speaking to him about and it's inspiring to think, you know, at that age, still so passionate for Jesus and yeah, that lifelong thing is a really important thing, I think. I think a lot of people are sort of working towards retirement and that's kind of like the the big thing they're aiming for, but... I think even after retirement, you've got to keep learning as a person and and particularly as a leader. So so that's really good. So who's inspired you? Who or what has inspired and motivated you in your leadership over the years?
1: I grew up in a family where faith was related to every aspect of life. So that was inspiring. And uh, mum and dad certainly modelled out what it was to extend the welcome of God to others and our home was an open home that welcomed others so I was really inspired by that. But there have been numerous mentors, um, youth leaders, evangelists. Um, you talk about someone continuing to learn. Jeff Blackburn was the senior pastor at Sindal when I started as the youth pastor. And he uh, he was someone who both modelled out what it was to serve God and to serve others. But uh, he was also committed to lifelong learning. And I loved just telling stories about how even in his 80s and 90s, and even when he was about 98, I remember asking him, what are you reading? And he said, look, I'm not reading as much as I used to, but I still love reading at 98. And uh, so people like that have inspired me. I remember a guy called Graham Smith, who was an evangelist, and my brothers and I would go with him on mission and just to see the way he pleaded with God for the lives of people. Uh, was was inspiring Uh, so those sorts of people but I could I could list off heaps of them but uh, it's it's those who've uh, also sponsored me into ministry opportunities and mission initiatives Uh, they saw perhaps something in me that I wasn't sure I remember a youth leader saying to my mum when I was about 14 or 15 after he had trained us to share the good news of Jesus in a evangelistic message he said to my mum I think Bill ought to be a pastor. So people who gave me the opportunity, sponsored me into opportunities and walked alongside me, briefing and debriefing on the journey, uh, helping me reshape things, heaps of them over the journey.
0: Yeah, that idea of people that have, have shaped you, I think most of us can think, most of us in leadership can think of people that were significant and I think it's um, really important even in the church today to be thinking about mentoring and modelling and, um, you know, Paul said, you know, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Yeah. And to try and find those people is not always easy and also to encourage our church people to be those people is not always easy. Did you have um, anything at Sindal that was formal in terms of mentoring or encouraging people down that path?
1: Uh, At various times we uh, promoted the idea of mentoring or coaching, encouraged certainly all of our leaders to have a mentor or coach or a number of them. I don't know that I subscribe to having just one mentor. I think there are mentors for different occasions and different opportunities. And so we certainly encourage that. We've, We've had internship programs and certainly part of our staff development was uh, regularly inputting into the lives of our staff in ways that tried to help them uh, embrace new initiatives, uh, do some learning together, some peer mentoring, that sort of thing. And it's encouraging to see where numbers of people who've been part of our staff team are now serving in leadership roles uh, throughout the Baptist denomination but broader still. But it's also been encouraging to see numbers of our uh, young people who've been school captains uh, because of not only but certainly a contributing factor was the opportunity they had from early teen years to be part of leadership teams and uh, where they had, uh, if you like, opportunities to explore what they were good at as well as people who would encourage them on that journey.
0: Mm. Yeah, It's interesting when you watch things like Australian Idol or some of those talent quests, how many... Um, of the really good people, really amazing emerging talent has come from people who are in churches yeah. because they have the opportunity to yeah. be up in front of people on a yeah. weekly basis worshipping or leading yeah. or whatever. So I think the church is a real um, opportunity there to influence culture and influence leadership.
1: Yeah. Um, and well. Certainly one of our commitments at Sindal has been to develop leaders, outstanding leaders both for church and community because most of the people won't be leaders within the church they, but they might be leaders in education or health or welfare or ed, um, business, whatever.
0: Yeah, I think your point about having different mentors for different things is a really important one as well. I think the old school way of thinking about mentoring is you get one mentor and they're one size fits all. They sort of they can deal with every issue you're going through. But recently, I asked someone at our church whether they consider being a mentor for me in the area of finances, um, just because I need to, you know, look at budgets and sure. stuff at church and I want to get better at that. Um, and, yeah, this particular guy is an accountant and I think he was a bit surprised that i asked him to be a mentor. But in that area of my life, yeah. he's someone I look to and go, yeah, he's got some expertise there. So, and then I've got other ones in the spiritual area and, you know, fitness or whatever it may be. Yeah. And I think finding those people that you want to emulate and uh, who are further down the track than you are mm. is really important. Yeah. So. yeah, great. Yeah, very good. So upon reflection on church and thinking about our current culture, what are the things that keep you optimistic um, for God's purposes in the present and what opportunities do you see for the church as you look forward to the future?
1: I'm really optimistic because Jesus said he was going to build his church and not even the forces of evil would stop that. Mm -hmm. So I'm very optimistic. Uh, I'm also encouraged that light shines best in dark places and even just hearing stories this morning of uh, places where things seem pretty challenging, but where people get to know Jesus and get to share his story, lives are transformed. And uh, we shouldn't be surprised, Jesus said, we're supposed to be light and salt. And I think there's in Australia there's a spiritual hunger that's often expressed in ways outside of church, but as well as uh, people seeking uh, to find out who it is that they can relate to that's beyond themselves because they need resources beyond themselves. So uh, I think as it's always been true, uh, where word and deed are tied together in a really beautiful way, people are loved into taking Jesus seriously. Mm -hmm. So it's all built around relationships too and uh, it's important for us to continue to build relationships with people who don't yet know Jesus. And, And I guess one of the... One of the things that for me, has been a real challenge in lots of areas of church life has been the challenge of Jesus to say, "I only see what I, I only do what I see the Father doing. So it's uh, staying close enough to Jesus to see where He's at work and get involved with him in those areas. So I'm really optimistic about the future.
0: Yeah, so I mean, since what you're just saying, connecting with people who don't know Jesus, I guess you use things like sport and stuff as well as a vehicle to do that.
1: Certainly one of the reasons I continue to play competitive sport is that every week that enables me to connect with people who don't know Jesus. Mm. Uh, uh, Certainly our mission statement as a family has been extending the welcome of God to everyone we meet. Mm. And I don't think that I live at my address just because it's uh, my address, I think I live there because there's a whole bunch of people in our street who don't yet know Jesus. And I'm, I pray for them regularly, I try and hang around creatively and uh, seek to be of support and encouragement. And there's been many opportunities, both in that scene and in the sporting scene, to connect with people who don't yet know Jesus and try and encourage them, open conversations, pray for them participate with them in weddings or funerals, whatever it is. So, yeah, it's important that we maintain that because Christian leaders are in danger of having lives so tied up in the church Mm. that they don't connect with people who don't know Jesus. And I don't think I've got anything to say to my people or others if I'm not modelling out what I want caught.
0: Mm. Well, it sounds like you've been very proactive in that and, and do that well and it must be really rewarding as well as you as you have conversations and I was just uh, down at our food van last night we we're on a food van for uh, you know disadvantaged people at a park in them a couple of nights a week and I just it just struck me last night as I was sitting there having a conversation with one of our guests at what a privilege it is to be let into people's lives mm. and over a period of time just being there yeah. you earn trust and and you have those opportunities that if we didn't step out and do that and we didn't get out of our comfort zone and we weren't proactive, then we wouldn't have those opportunities to meet those people. And yeah. So I think it's it's great, um, and it's what Jesus did, really, isn't it? He he meandered with purpose. He was yeah. he was always a lot of his stories and illustrations came from the fact that he was out with people yeah. and he was proactive in that. So, yeah, so we're going to try and model him. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. For sure. I'm really encouraged, Bill, to hear how hopeful and optimistic you are because I think a lot of the time for people who have been in ministry, whether it's a short time or a long time, they kind of get beaten up and they get worn down and they get burnt out and discouraged. And to hear, you know, you coming out the other side of being at Sindel for so long as a lead, the senior pastor, and still being so hopeful and enthusiastic and passionate, I think that's inspiring for not only me, but I'm sure people that are listening to the podcast. So I guess you would have had lots of ups and downs, Um, in your time as a a senior pastor. I'd like to ask you a bit about resilience and longevity. Resilience is something that doesn't seem quite as common these days. Do you agree with that? And if so, why do you think that could be the case? I've pondered uh, that and I'm not sure
1: that that is the case. Uh, Resilience is bouncing back and, if you like, having another go. And I guess I'm encouraged by the numbers of times I see people doing that and drawing on resources of others and of God to do that. So in terms of uh, my own life, I I try and have an approach that says problems are opportunities, opportunities to learn, to grow, to reflect, opportunities to make some changes if need be. And uh, But I agree. I mean, you only have to look at Paul's statement about the fact how many times he was flogged and left for dead and mm-hmm. run out of town and things like that. Uh, so I'm not sure whether it's greater or lesser these days, but I think resilience is a key ingredient in growing and and being sustained over the long haul.
0: Mm. At follow on the weekend, we did a mental health panel, and we had some guests on the panel talking about mental health, and they were making the comment about resilience and and how it seems like there is a bit of an increase in a lack of resilience, particularly a lot amongst younger people. And someone made the comment about overseas in some of these war-torn areas and, and places that are very difficult, they're not having the same conversation and they seem to be able to cope with things at a greater level. And I was wondering whether there is a connection between the comfort that we have in yeah. Australia. And I, I worked as a little, while, uh, a little while ago for a while as a chaplain in a, in a secondary college and I was really surprised at how many kids were having struggles okay. um, with resilience and, and some of them had really significant issues in family and life. But others seem to be shaken by just smaller things, and I think maybe it's just greater awareness. But when I was at high school, we didn't talk about that much, and it didn't seem to be as much of an issue. But yeah, it's it's interesting to see. Well,
1: certainly, back when you were in school, and probably more so when I was in school, it was tough enough and keep going. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, and I think there's some real health in being willing to identify and uh, and talk about and be vulnerable about about what's going on in life. Mm. Uh, yeah, but certainly the need to... Uh, crucible experiences tend to help us grow the most and maybe we don't in Australia have enough crucible experiences mm. to build that resilience, like you say.
0: Yeah, so we want to avoid that, yeah. you know, pain or struggle or mm. waiting, yeah. all those sorts of things. And, yeah, I think one of my favourite verses is in Romans and it talks about rejoicing in your sufferings, yes. which doesn't make sense, naturally speaking. No, no this says, but suffering produce yeah. perseverance yeah. and character, character and hope, yeah. and hope doesn't disappoint. And yeah. yeah, I think we can probably all reflect on life and think through those difficult times that we certainly didn't enjoy when they were happening, mm. but as we look back, we see what God shaped in us, and perhaps there's things in our lives that wouldn't be there if we had have avoided those situations. Sure. So yeah, it's resilience, I guess, is one of those buzzwords, and it's it's good to sort of reflect on it a little bit. So, what what are some of the things that you were able to do to serve in ministry with such longevity, to keep going?
1: Yeah, one of my commitments every day is to keep building my picture of God. I reckon that uh, most challenges in our lives come from an inadequate theology, where a God wants to be the robust, strong person in our lives but too often we don't have that growing understanding that he can do that we were never meant to live life alone but there's nothing that uh, we face that with his help resourcing we can't cope with so uh, one of my commitments was to build my picture of god uh, every day to enroll in the school of jesus he says come walk with me work with me watch how i do it uh, not to take up that invitation is to uh, to sell ourselves short. I think so. And another uh, to keep a Trinitarian to to invite the Spirit to fill me every day. Uh, let him have the run of the house. And there's some wonderful things that he, uh, the Spirit, is able to produce in our lives if we give him the run of the the house. And so. The, uh, the opportunity to do that every day has been foundational. I think another thing that for me has been important is that it's not my church, uh, it's Jesus' church. He's going to build it. I get to play a part in it, and he invites me into his mission. So uh, just like he did, I reckon the secret of his life was to, uh, at the start of a day, and talks about long before dawn, he would spend time with his father checking out what was on the agenda, where the father was at work and committed to be involved in that. So that's been one of my commitments that I seek uh, every day to prioritise time with God alone uh, early in the day and certainly that's been a help. I think uh, maintaining uh, my wellness tank physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually has been a really important thing. And it is true that I'm a pretty disciplined person. So my commitment to do that has been another thing. Building a team. Uh, we're not supposed to do life alone. And wherever we see Jesus or we see Paul or Barnabas, they're always looking for teammates. And uh, to do life together with others has been an important part of the journey. Prioritising relationships. Uh, that are most significant has also been an important part. So uh, spouse and family has been a really important part of staying over the long haul. Uh, those sorts of things, you may have heard me talk before about the big rocks that are part of my life that need to be in there. There's lots that can fill a person's life, but if you don't have those big essential aspects uh, in your life, in your diary, then life can easily get out of whack. But there's some of the things that have been helpful.
0: Yeah, so you mentioned a moment ago your wellness tank. I'd yeah. love to dig into that a little bit deeper. And, and what are some of the things you do to regularly replenish that?
1: Well, certainly the daily devotion is important. Uh, daily devotion is then followed by exercise. Uh, so that's a commitment every day. I love the fact that exercise releases endorphins that help you see life and deal with challenges in a way that uh, wouldn't be the case if, if you didn't have those. And it's often as I'm running that I uh, have time to think, ponder, pray. Uh, There's laughter, there's tears. uh, But it's a very helpful thing uh, to stay fit, relatively fit, uh, to eat well, uh, to get enough sleep. They're all part of uh, that um, filling the wellness tank. Uh, Time, Committed time with uh, now Julia and our family. Uh, with friends, those who breathe life into you rather than drain life. So all of those things. Being a lifelong learner, so that living a reflective life that says, how can I learn from this, also feeds into my wellness tank. Um, Laughing a lot. Uh, I mean, it takes less energy to smile than it does to frown. So... Uh, being able to smile and laugh has been really helpful as well. So, there's some of the things.
0: Yeah, well, I think from what I've seen of you over the years, Bill, you do the smiling part really well. <laughs> you always look like the happy pastor, like got this big, thriving, growing church, and you never look stressed. You always look happy and calm and in control, and all those things. So, I think at least from external perceptions, you're doing that really well. And I'm sure that's true of your life as well. Now, I've been thinking a little bit lately about things like Sabbath and rest and um, solitude and uh, quiet times and, and those sorts of things. How important has that sort of stuff been in your life and is it, what does it look like for you to do those yeah. things?
1: When yeah. I was first appointed as a, an associate or a youth pastor, in my contract was uh, Bill is to have at least one day and two nights per week to enrich personal and family time and that wasn't enough. And there have been occasions where, uh, particularly early in my marriage with Jenny, uh, the question would be asked, how come I get the dregs of time? Mm -hmm. And uh, there'd be times I remember when my daughter said to me once, Dad, you're no fun anymore. And uh, the most asked question in our household was, Dad, are you going to be home tonight? And they were bits of uh, wake-up calls for me that I needed to address. And so... Certainly we we seek to make sure that we have a Sabbath, usually on a Thursday. Uh, and that we, there are nights in a week where we prioritize uh, spouse or family. Uh, or we have a date night, those sorts of things. They've been important and one of the things that can easily get eroded. So I need to keep learning that. Uh, it's true that I, I have lots of energy and... I can go for uh, long hours in a day but if I don't prioritise Sabbath moments and Sabbath I, uh, I sell myself short and others short uh, who are part of my responsibility. No, I can delegate lots of things but there are some things that I must not delegate. There are some things that only I can do and that includes uh, spouse and family and if I don't no one else can be the husband, the dad, the, the pa that God's called me to be. So I dare not delegate those. But Sabbath sometimes uh, has been something that I haven't prioritised as much as I should have. Mm. So I'm still learning.
0: Yeah, good. I, I went away um, for a week, a couple of weeks ago now with the family and we went down to San Remo for a week and uh, the plan was I was coming from a pretty busy season. Uh, my daughter had just been married and... We were just getting away for a week and I was going to spend three and a half days with the family and then they were going to go home and I was just going to have a day and a half to to rest. Uh, As it turns out, the family all got sick and so they went (laughs) home on the Tuesday morning, um, which was really, it was sad because I wanted to spend time with them. But in the end, it it ended up in a funny way being a bit of a blessing because I just had time alone and I just don't think I've done it for years. And I, I was able to sleep, I was able to exercise, I was able to go to a cafe and read a book. I was... Uh, able to just spend time with with God in prayer and i think i came away from that realizing how important that is and just my um, my emotional state and my spiritual health just the, the amount that increased over that week was really significant and i think it's always important to have family time and all those sorts of things but i think solitude is one of those things that maybe an ancient practice we don't do very well anymore and and i think maybe that's because we're, we're connected to technology so much and we never seem to to shut off and I've heard someone talk recently about having things like a digital Sabbath where uh, yeah. for a 24-hour period every week you just turn everything off, your phone and your emails, and, and I thought that was a really good idea because that constant connection just, just wears you out. Yeah.
1: I, I found walking in a park, walking along the beach, uh, just going and sitting uh, in some uh, nature spot has been a really important thing. And even to take a pen and paper to note your thoughts while you're there, it's amazing how other things can so often crowd out time alone with God and to, the solitude is really important. Yeah,
0: I had a weird experience the other day. I went to a coffee shop without my phone and without a book and I just <laughs> sat there and had a coffee <laughs> <laughs> it felt so strange. I thought I haven't done this for so long yeah. but it was actually in a, in a weird way refreshing and yes. I could reflect on what was happening, I could observe other people in the yeah. cafe and it got me thinking about things that I wouldn't have thought of if I was looking at Facebook or my emails or yeah. whatever it may be. So I think sometimes trying to shape some of those practices can be very helpful. Sure. So it's good to hear some of the things that you've tried over the years. Um, I just wonder as I was reflecting on on your leadership over so many years, over 40 years in one place, cultures changed so much. The world's completely different to what it was when you started as a youth pastor at at Sindel. Um, Have there been times in your ministry where you felt like you've had to reinvent yourself uh, in in the way you lead, in uh, personal habits, Um, yeah, those sorts of things, and and how did you go about doing that? Yeah. Uh, Certainly one of
1: the, the commitments I've had over the years is to try and stay fresh, fresh physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, but fresh in terms of leadership. Am I getting in a rut? Uh, So inviting feedback has been an important part of that, Uh, building a team that has people who are not like me uh, and who are of a different age than me, Uh, so to to have uh, people who are on our team who are not only different age and gender but are willing also to give you feedback and I, there are One of the things that I love to invite is feedback because I want to keep growing and it's been true that there have been younger generation who've been very willing to give me feedback about a whole range of issues and that's been good. I try to go to at least one conference a year, Uh, that'll stretch me in terms of my understanding of life, leadership, what's happening in our world. I try to stay abreast of current issues so that uh, when I speak there are things that People can relate to uh, that they are facing every day, rather than simply me being in a, an ivory tower. So those sorts of things have been helpful, and uh, reading things that might not necessarily that you might not necessarily agree with, but at least it provides some opportunity to interact, uh, either with the book or with others about them, and, uh, and doing that in in a group has also been helpful. So that is not just an isolated thing. Uh, but something that you do with others.
0: Yeah, so that group conversation yeah. shapes the way we think and, yeah. and all that. And I really like the idea of, of reading things that you don't necessarily agree with and I think sometimes we avoid that, go, I don't like that author, I don't like what they say or whatever, but some of those experiences can really shape you and, and challenge your thinking and if nothing else reinforce why you believe yeah. what you believe. And sure. So, yeah, that's a really good uh, tip for people I think. So I just wonder about temptations. Yeah. Um, one thing about leadership that can be very dangerous is a sense of power and with power comes temptation. And unfortunately I think within that reality we have seen many people fall morally and emotionally and even spiritually in positions of leadership and you've kind of lasted the test of time and... And you're still going strong and that's that's a wonderful thing and it's a real tragedy when people do fall and we all know respected Christian leaders, even in recent times, that have, have fallen off the perch due to moral failings. What are some of the temptations you've faced over the years in your leadership? Uh,
1: let me preface that by saying I'm so encouraged by the fact that Jesus faced every temptation like we face, mm. uh, which is... That boggles my mind sometimes when I think about some of the things that I've faced and but to know that he faced them as well has been really encouraging. So I, I think one of the, the areas has certainly been in the air in in the arena of family. To neglect uh, family, to do the more important role of ministry has been a temptation. And and I I've certainly failed in that. From time to time but uh, sought to be committed to growing in that all the time I think another area is to self-promote this whole area of power we start to believe our own press and if people praise us that's a that's an area of constant challenge not to allow that to uh, lead to pride I mean Foster wrote the book about money sex and power beautiful in God's hands but uh, can easily end up with, with lust and greed and pride. And the fact that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble reminds me that's a stupid way to go, to be uh, continually self-promoting and things like that. I think another temptation has been uh, certainly in the area of uh, wanting to do things myself rather than take advice or learn to be more consent uh, in terms of getting consent rather than just going ahead and doing it. And there is a stubborn streak in me, so that's been a temptation to to go that route and not take advice and listen and discern together. Uh, The whole area of uh, relationships, you can easily get so fulfilled in working on a project together that... Work might look more attractive than home sometimes and so to make sure that you are constantly making the grass in your patch so green that every other patch looks brown by comparison, that's been a challenge.
0: To it a play on words, being Bill Brown? or <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, so I mean they're the normal sorts of temptations that, that have been part of the journey.
0: Mm. So I think you alluded to how you've resisted some of those, going back to some of Jesus' words, but have you got any other sort of practical tips on things you've done to resist those?
1: Yeah. Uh, I think earlier in in our conversation I talked about enrolling afresh in the school of Jesus every day. So uh, in some way I invite him to be my teacher today. Help me to be alert to things that might be unhelpful. You've travelled this pathway before me, so I want to be alert and sensitive and responsive to your prompting and don't let me go down a track that's unhelpful. Uh, using the, the fact that I try every day to uh, read and reflect on Scripture has been a really important part. So is there something else coming to play in this situation than my emotions or my tendency? Uh, so to check balance that, to take every thought captive, to make it obedient to Christ. Sometimes I think we tend to uh, say, I mustn't think that. It's much healthier to say, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think about what I should do with that? Uh, Building in accountability and honesty with uh, peers or others has been a really important part. And inviting them to speak into my life. I'm so grateful for people who have said, Bill, you better be careful about this because it's heading down a track that might not be helpful. So inviting that feedback uh, has has been a really important part of the journey as well. Uh, Confession and repentance has been really helpful. Uh, Rather than trying to hold on to it, cover over it, to be able to confess and say, I messed up, I'm sorry, that was wrong. Uh, And to be willing to take the consequences and and to repent has been an important part of the journey as well.
0: Mm. I think finding those friends that can say the hard things when they need to say them yeah. is, is critical, isn't it? And yeah. I think pride would help you, would cause you to resist those sort of people. But i found the most valuable and the and really the long lasting friends are the ones that are yeah. they love you so much that they can't hold back that that critique or that advice because they they want to see you flourish. And so I think, yeah, just being not too prideful to resist those people, but being humble enough to invite them in and and to listen to what they say and realise that when they do bring in that rebuke they're doing it out of love they're not doing it because they want to crush you or hurt you Um, they're doing it because they they want the very best for you
1: and certainly uh, my wife jenny and my wife julia have been uh, so helpful in all of that but i also have some prayer partners who uh, they they committed maybe 30 years ago to pray for me and they faithfully do that they regularly text me i know that they talk to god before they talk to me They'd walk over hot coals for us. Uh, that, that sort of support on the journey has been enormous. Yeah. I, I have a tendency to be self-sufficient and I've learnt that I need to receive. Uh, and we're not meant to do life alone. So who are those who can be fellow travellers? I'm so encouraged by Jesus at the Last Supper talking about the fact that his disciples were those who'd been with him through all his struggles. I want the Jonathans, the Onesiphoruses, the Barnabases who will be with me in those times.
0: Yeah, and I think in that same passage it talks about him loving them till the end. Yeah, you know, yeah. There's that real bond and yeah. friendship and that's a really beautiful thing in Jesus' life. And I think what you were just saying there um, about having those people in your life really dovetails into what I wanted to ask you about next and that is leading in tough seasons of life. Um, Because in in pastoral ministry and in life in general, um, there's ups and downs and there's surprises that come along the way and some of them are wonderful and some of them are really difficult. Um, And so I'm sure you've had some tough seasons over your time and there may have even been times you felt like giving up, times of discouragement or exhaustion. How do you keep going on those days? Because I think a lot of people listen to this podcast, they might be having that day today or at least thinking, oh, I can think of a time in the last week where I thought, oh, maybe I should just do something else or maybe this is all too hard. So how did you keep going in those and how do you still keep going in those tough days?
1: Uh, Sometimes it's a day at a time and a step at a time. Uh, Earlier I talked about building my picture of God, so... If I'm not meant to face whatever it is I'm facing on my own, whose resources can I draw on? To ask myself the question, is it my vision and mission or is it someone else's that I'm partnering with? That's helped me to keep going. Uh, certainly having a team of people around me, uh, both to share the joys and the sorrows, the tears and the laughter uh, has been important. Uh, certainly the uh, one of the... The encouraging things has been that as a child I learnt the the verse, my mum taught me this verse in a really difficult time, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that for me has become a life verse. So there's nothing that I will face today that with his help and his strength I can't cope. And so being reminded constantly of the truths of those scriptural uh, insights has been a very helpful part uh in helping me stay the course but again in in challenging times uh keeping well physically or as well as you can uh building in the the daily rhythms i've i've maintained those rhythms and one of the dangers is that when stresses come you end up stopping some of those rhythms and that doesn't help So uh, trying to build that in. Even at times uh, where, and I mentioned my wife Jenny, uh, was very sick and passed away. Continuing to build rhythms during that time was a really important part because if I were going to be supportive and helpful in her life, uh, then I needed to maintain wellness as much as I could.
0: Mm. So that must have been a really tough season. Um, She passed away in 2009... I'm wondering if you're willing to share a little bit more about that journey and, and sure. what you learned about ha- handling grief, particularly in that time.
1: The more you love someone, the more you grieve. So uh, that was an incredibly challenging time. Uh, Jenny was diagnosed with MS in 2005 and a year later with multiple myeloma. And despite uh, chemo and radiation and stem cell transplants, uh, And thousands of people praying, Uh, nothing was long-term successful in terms of physical cure. So it sucked uh, for her to go through that. And as a family, it was a challenging time. But through that time, uh, there was grace for the day. And Jenny and I made a commitment to say that we'll face every day, well, embrace every day as a gift, even the dark days, and seek to live them as well as we could. And it was amazing the way God opened up opportunities that we would never have had had it not been that. Uh, but uh, so in responding to what you, you asked about grief, grief has to be faced. It's normal, it's natural, it's painful, but it's also healing. And, uh, and a willingness to be vulnerable with people uh, and open with people about the journey was an important part of coping Uh, I think it's also true that uh, every day is a new opportunity and life is to be lived so as well as grieving it's okay to grieve but certainly for Jenny she would want me to live Uh, she is living more fulfillingly than ever now she's with Jesus Jesus is with me we're not far apart we just can't see each other and she would want me to embrace life. Uh, so that was an encouragement as well. I, I hope she knows how much I miss her and missed her. Uh, and we certainly talked about should one of us uh, die before the other, uh, would it be okay for the other to get married again? So... Jenny did say, "Wait a few months." <laughs>
0: <laughs> Good, we did that.
1: <laughs> and I wasn't anticipating getting married again, yeah. uh, but God brought this gorgeous woman into my life in Julia, mm-hmm. and and she is so honoring of Jenny, mm-hmm. so that's also been helpful in in continuing to move on and and grow, and and certainly grief is something that. Uh, can be debilitating if it's not faced. If it's, if you just push it under the carpet, it, it comes out in, in other ways. So I wanted to be open and honest and and authentic. Um, so that's been part of the journey.
0: I don't think you could be anything else, Bill. I think you're a pretty authentic <laughs> kind of a person. So that would be abnormal if you weren't authentic in that time. But but how did you deal with it with the church community? Obviously when she was really sick and lots of people praying and but then also when she passed away, um, you to take time off obviously you probably did and and how was it getting back up in front of a church and helping them through the grief of it all as well when you're feeling it so deeply
1: jenny had been part of sindal for longer than i had so uh, she was very much connected in there and one of the last things that she did about seven weeks before she died they weren't expecting that she might even live that weekend seven weeks earlier so she sensed that God wanted her to come and say thank you and farewell to the church. Uh, So uh, she got out of hospital and we cared for her at home. But uh, six weeks before she died, she came and spoke for seven minutes on the platform uh, in what people say was much more powerful than any message I'd ever preached. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I'm sure you probably agree. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely.
1: And she was so honest about her journey and about the times that weren't – ...where she sensed, where is God in this? She urged people to pray for people in similar situations. She thanked people and then she greeted people at the door in her wheelchair. Um, and, and I think uh, that was a really important part... ...in helping us share with the church what was going on. Another thing that was helpful was that... Uh, ...there are a whole bunch of people that said... ...we don't want to keep contacting you, how can we pray for you? And so one of our team... Uh, distributed a prayer update regularly for people not only at Sindal but across the, the nation and different parts of the world. So that was also helpful. Uh, and and there were numbers of times when I would be in tears uh, in the pulpit. Wasn't embarrassed about that. Uh, one of my kids said he envies the fact that I can speak and cry at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> he wishes he could do But uh, so, yeah, people are incredibly supportive and basically the church said to me uh, from that time, the last seven weeks of Jenny's life, you're just on leave. not personal leave, it's not carer's leave, it's not annual leave, it's not long service leave, you're just on leave. If you need to or want to come to a meeting or whatever during that time, uh, you're welcome to. But basically take that time to do whatever you need to to be with, with Jenny. And... And the VUV was very supportive of that as well. And Alan Ma, who was the director of ministry and mission, basically gave a day a week to Sindel at that time to lead the team, mm. uh, along with others who were leading. So that was that was a, an important part. When Jenny died, uh, the church was amazing in their support and. Uh, And the way that the service, Thanksgiving service for Jenny was a witness and a testimony, the church was magnificent. And then I took, uh, I think, a couple of weeks off after that. But, uh, yeah, and then a a day at a time. Um, I hope the church wasn't adversely affected by the whole process, but we journeyed together in a way that I hope was honouring of God and respectful of each person involved.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I think quite the contrary, I think they would have really grown through that experience, you know, and I can't imagine anything much more inspiring than Jenny getting up and and sharing those seven minutes with people and, you know, I've I've had people say to me before that you don't ever let people know what you're going through until you've come through it and I fundamentally disagree with that and I think that vulnerability and transparency as leaders shows that we're human and I think people really connect with that and um, I, I think... I can only imagine people at Sindel in that season would have really grown and their appreciation of God and life and suffering and and all those things that we need to keep wrestling with. So uh, well done on the way that was handled. That just sounds amazing.
1: When I was a young pastor, I thought I had suffering all sorted out and uh, packaged. (laughs) I realised that I didn't. And I think there are more mysteries and grey spaces than I thought there were. And even wrestling with things like how do you make sense of passages like if two or three of you on earth agree about this and ask it in my name, I'll do it. Uh, How do you make sense of that? I remember a situation where Jenny had just had a second transplant, stem cell transplant, and they weren't even sure that she would survive. But there were a, a bunch of people from Sindel who came and walked around the hospital and praying and... You think, well, how does all that make sense? So there's a mystery that we needed to wrestle with. But as a couple through that time we dug into Scripture together more than probably – we'd always read Scripture together and prayed but uh, we wrestled with some of those great truths and insights and mysteries and they were very significant. And a passage that for us was so – helpful during that time was Romans 8 26 and 27 and this is my paraphrase of it that in our times of weakness and challenge God's spirit comes alongside us over on the other side to help us carry the load and the word that's used is a word that means you know if you were trying to lift something on your own and you couldn't lift it and you see your mate coming and you say can you get on the other side and give us a hand together you can carry it And it's that word that's used, that God's spirit comes alongside us over on the other side to help us carry the load. And then it goes on to say, and if you don't know what to say or how to pray, it doesn't matter. God's spirit takes our wordless sighs and our aching groans and keeps us present before God. And for us, that was an amazing encouragement. And there were many times when we sighed, like I have no idea what to do here, or groaned, And the encouragement was that God's Spirit was taking those and shaping them into prayers, which was really helpful.
0: Yeah. Did you doubt God's love in that season at all?
1: Uh, No, I don't think we doubted God's love, but there were certainly times where uh, Jenny particularly cried out like the psalmist. Why is this happening or how can we make sense of this when this seems to be what you're promising on one hand, And this is what I'm experiencing on on the other hand. But I guess we got to the point that said that the love that planned Calvary can be trusted. And there are some things that we can't understand about this and there might be more facts than human facts in the whole area of suffering. And, uh, And there's no question that God used that opportunity, despite the fact that it sucked for Jenny, to allow her to minister in ways that were just mind-blowing and so encouraging. So, yeah, not sure about all the ins and outs of it, but it caused us to trust. And I guess one of the the things that we've tried to do in our lives is to say, not my will, but yours be done. And the fact that Jesus uh, expressed that in a situation where like the word seems to mean greatly distressed or even depressed. Um, I'm choosing not your, not my will, but yours be done.
0: Yeah, I don't think I can express how grateful I am for you to share so vulnerably about that, and um, I just think that'll be so helpful for people that are listening. And it's easy as a, a Christian leader to talk about you know theological principles and suffering and all that, but to hear such a personal experience, I think is is really inspiring and encouraging and and yeah, just to hear what you've learned through it all is is really amazing. Um, so how how do you move forward after such a significant loss? Obviously, there is a a period of grief, and I imagine that grief never really ends. There's always a sense of grief. Um, how do you actually move forward in in what you're doing? And obviously, you've you've been remarried now, and so that's a big step as well. What are some of the key things moving forward? Uh, I, I think similar to what
1: uh, we did prior to that experience. So. Uh, daily rhythms, sacred rhythms, uh, disciplines that help you face uh, each day, helpfully, appropriately, uh, a step at a time. There were certainly some uncertain things and, and even uh, relationally with people, because for, for a long time you'd related as a couple to others. Now learning to relate as a single person again Uh, with a whole range of people and I could tell you some funny stories. We don't have time to (laughs) go into that. But learning uh, some of the wise things to do and some of the things that weren't wise. So it was a continual learning process. Uh, And inviting others into your life as well because the danger is that you can become a bit isolated then. Uh, You can become a workaholic. (laughs) Uh, So... Yeah, I played hard as well as working hard. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Um, Wake-up calls, I think you talked about it a little bit before. Um, You talked about wake-up calls around family at different times. Are there any other wake-up calls you had in ministry? I I can think of my own journey, which is nowhere near as long as yours, in ministry, but I think I've had a couple of pivotal moments where God revealed stuff. It was like I turned a mirror on myself and I could see some things that needed to change uh, in the path I was going down and what may happen if i ...didn't change some of those things. Can you think of any other pivotal wake-up calls for you over the years?
1: Uh, Look, certainly family was a a critical one. Uh, When our eldest son was hit by a car... uh, ...my whole um, consideration of was I a negligent dad to allow that... uh, ...what would it mean for me to be the best dad, the best husband that I could be... ...so that was certainly a wake-up call... Uh, Another wake-up call is when you are heading down a pathway that is unwise and uh, there was a stubbornness in me at one point where I uh, tried to take some action that I felt was right. Others seemed to be suggesting that it was right but there were some that were suggesting uh, take someone with you into a situation that ended up to be a very painful situation And, and I think in hindsight it may have been helpful to listen to that wisdom. Uh, so that was a wake-up call about don't, doing it, d- don't do it without adequate and appropriate consultation. Uh, there's certainly been wake-up calls in the area of temptation that we talked about that uh, you've got to make sure that, hang on a minute, is this the most helpful pathway to be going? Are there red flags here that I need to take notice of uh, or am I just pushing ahead and emotions getting in the way of uh, wisdom? So, yeah, each of those areas have been important for, for me to face. And the reality is that they can crop up like that. Uh, so, being constantly alert is important.
0: The Bible talks about that, doesn't it? Yeah. Being alert, the devil prowls around like a yeah. roaring lion looking to Absolutely. devour. Absolutely. So, you don't want to be off guard. Yeah. So, no, that's really helpful. We usually finish with some quick fire questions. You're happy to sure. do a couple of those? Absolutely. So what podcast do you listen to, aside from this one, of course, And um, <laughs> which hasn't been released yet, which would be difficult. Um, but what podcast do you listen to and have you got one you find particularly helpful for leaders? I don't actually listen to too many
1: podcasts, I, but Kerry Newhoff uh, is one and certainly the global leadership uh, podcast
0: I, I watch as well. Okay, terrific. What is one thing that every leader should be striving to improve I reckon the secret of
1: Jesus' life was that he spent time alone with his father and making that significant every day, asking the question, where are you at work and how can I get involved? Uh, Again, it's not my will, it's yours.
0: Very good. If you could go back in time, what is the one thing you would say to young Bill Brown starting out in ministry?
1: Something that I found incredibly helpful is stay close to God, stay close to people and bring God and people together. And that also fuels a question that a pastor or a leader needs to ask of his people, as well as allow others to ask of him. How is it with you and God? And how is it with you and people? And especially if we're supposed to love God and love people, they're two critical questions.
0: Excellent. It's been an absolute pleasure and privilege to sit down and chat to you today, and I really appreciate you coming on the show. So thanks for your time, Bill.
1: No worries, Luke. My pleasure.
0: Thanks for listening to the As One Leadership Podcast, getting
1: you in the room with experienced leaders so you can grow and thrive in leadership. This podcast is hosted by Luke Williams and brought to you by Follow Baptist Church. If you're listening to this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Your feedback will help us grow further and bring new insightful content to you. For those watching on YouTube, please like this video, leave a comment, and subscribe to the Follow Church channel. Ultimately, if you found this episode valuable, please share it with others who can also benefit from it. We can't wait to share more experiences and knowledge in our next episode, From Melbourne to the World.